open up your Bibles to the book of Jonah. To the book of Jonah, chapter 2. Jonah chapter 2, verse 5. This is a prayer that Jonah is saying. It says, the waters surrounded me even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought me up. Up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my soul fainteth within me, I remember the Lord. And my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So the Lord spoke to the fish, and he vomited Jodah. Unto dry land. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you this morning, God. God, we thank you for your presence that is evident here this morning. God, I pray, Lord, that you would move here this morning, God, that you would anoint your word, God. If there be a young man, Lord, if there be a young lady that came in searching, if there's someone here, God, that is burdened, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to them, God. If if there's a heart here this morning that needs to be encouraged, God, God, your spirit is the one that encourages. God, I pray, Lord, that you would comfort here this morning. God, I pray, Lord, that you have your way, Lord. Without you, God, I'm nothing, Jesus. And we bind and we broke every force of the enemy me every demon that's on assignment we come against it in the blood of Jesus and God I pray Lord that you would just loosen your presence here this morning God do a beautiful work that you have begun in our life father we love you and we give you praise in Jesus name and everybody said before you see it want you give somebody a hug and say it's good to sit next to you I get to sit next to you all the time and then then you may be seated then you may be seated You know, I just want to make emphasis that tonight, how many love your pastor? You know, I want to let you know you got a wise woman here. You got a wise pastor. And you know, you should come out and you should bless her tonight and have a good time with her. Let her know that you're standing behind her and that you're backing her up. Tonight you're going to have a a good time tonight. Don't stay home. Don't watch no football game. And uh, don't get into an argument with with your spouse. Just bring them to church and let's have a good time tonight. Amen. And then also I want to push that. The 70th birthday is coming up. Amen. How many are going to go to the birthday? Pastor Sunday's 70th birthday. Oh, we got hands coming up everywhere. How many are going to go to the birthday? Amen. Amen. It's going to be a beautiful time. Pastor Sunday is turning 70. Whoa. Is anybody here 70? Okay. We don't want to say our age here. Amen. And I just want to, you know, emphasize on that. And young people, try to make it to the, try to make it to the winter retreat. God has some great things for us at the winter retreat. Amen. Now, I know that when I said turn your Bibles to the book of Jonah, some of you started saying, oh, wow, he's going to talk about this fish. And, um, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I grew up in a church. uh, For those of you that don't know me, I'm a PK. I'm a preacher's kid. And, you know, in Sunday school, they used to teach this. There was this big fish, and he swallowed this guy because he he wasn't, he ran away from God. And, And then they used to show us, like, little pictures, you know, and there's this big, whale stomach and the guy's like in a little raft 
inside there. And there's like a little candle. And then the guy is on, a, on, a, on the boat and he's like praying like Jesus, you know, like, God, get me out of this whale stomach. And you can see the ribs of the whale, you know, in Sunday school. And I used to think like, oh, my gosh. I go, there's some big stories in the Bible, but this has got to be the craziest one I ever heard. As I got older, as I got older, I started to think that, you know what, the, some of the stuff in the Bible, it's not, I don't know. That's kind of crazy. You know, I go, some stories are good, but sometimes they take it over the deep end. I used to think, I used to think to the point where, you know what, I didn't believe in God. To the point where I, when, when I was young, I started to do wrong. I, I got involved in gangs there in East L.A. and I, I got into a gang and everything and, and things started going wrong. Things started getting all messed up. Until one day, one day I went to a party. Amen. How many used to party back in the days? Amen. We got some uh, people that used to party. They might look good now, but, you know, we got some people that maybe used to party. And I used to kick it with my homeboys, and I remember this is how God got a hold of me. You know, because my dad was a pastor, he used to send people to me. And they used to, like, always give me little tracks, put them in my coat. And they used to always, like, witness to me out in the parking lot. And I used to say, when did my dad send you to me? And I used to get mad at them. And I used to tell my father, stop sending these people to me. You know, I don't want God. I don't want to hear what they have to say. I don't even think it's real. And I remember that one day I went to a party. And I was there and they were playing oldies. How many used to like oldies? Some of you got oldies on the way over here. Christian oldies, amen. And we were playing oldies and these guys, they walked into the, to the little, it was a little house party, a little apartment. And, and there was like, it was like ghetto. I mean, how, how many of you ever seen those ghetto apartments? It's like they don't have, like, lamps. They have, like, a, 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 a line hanging with a light bulb. I go, it doesn't have a cover. It's just ghetto, you know, with a string hanging. Turn it off and turn it off. It was like that. And I remember that these guys walked in, and they were going into a restaurant, a restaurant, into a restroom, you know, to go fix. But it was like one of those restrooms, you know, those kind that the door doesn't close and never locks. You know, people could just walk in on you. The kind where you have to hold the door. It was like really ghetto. And these guys, they were like fixing. And I could see them. The door was open and they were arguing of who was going to go first. You know, they were arguing, I go first. Well, I took you to the connection. I go first. Then another guy said, no, I put more money in. Hey, I, you guys got me last. Last time I get to go first. Then the biggest guy says, I'm going first. You know, and he began to tie up and he began to fix. And I remember that as he began to shoot... That needle into his vein, that blood started trickling out, and then he fell to the floor. And what happened was is that he overdosed. And then they started to hit him. They tried to revive him. And then what they did is they couldn't revive him, so they drug him out of the restroom, and the whole party stopped. The music stopped, and they said, he's dying. He started to turn colors. He started to turn, like, white almost. And then the girl that the apartment belonged to, she says, you have to get him out of here. You have to get him out of here because I'm on parole. And I don't want to go back to I don't want to go back to jail. I don't want my kids to be taken from me. And I remember that that she said, you gotta get him out of here. And then they said, they only had one suggestion. They said, let's just get him and we'll dump him in an alley. And then we'll call the paramedics and say some guy overdosed over there. Because a lot of us got warrants. And so then what happened was is I go, well, I'm just gonna get my coat. This party's over. I got my jacket as I as I was going out, there was this girl. How many know these girls with big mouths? Amen. This girl had a mouth. She said, wait a minute. This guy, his dad 
has a church on the corner down in the neighborhood. Have him say a couple Hail Marys or something before we dump them, you know, and then uh, 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 our fathers or something, because they were all Catholic, and I, I go, my dad's church is not like that. My dad, he was a Pentecostal uh, church. It was a Spanish Pentecostal church. Like, have you ever been to the Spanish Pentecostal? It's like, a su nombre, gloria, amen? My dad, when he used to pray for you, he used to, like, put his hands on your head and, like, mess up your hair and everything. You know, they used to speak in tongues and... You know, my friends used to say, oh, you go to that Indian church over there. I go, why do you call it Indian? He goes, why do they say all oh, la, 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 that? That's Indian, bro. They used to cap on me, all my friends. I go, oh, they're speaking in tongues. Oh, they're speaking in Indian. You're, are you Cherokee or something? And I go, no. They used to cap on me, right? And my dad, was, it was a Pentecostal. And I go, my, they don't say, like, uh, Hail Marys and all that over there. And they go, well, say prayer, man. And I go, I'm not saying nothing. I'm leaving. Then what happened to, the, to my amazement? It's all my homeboys surrounding me, big guys. And they said, wait a minute, you're not going to leave until you pray for him. And I said, bro, I got a Budweiser and I got a joint in my hand. You know, what are we going to do, the rosary here? What, what's going on? And so then one guy took my beer and he says, and he, one guy took my joint and he says, you, you got to pray for him. And then I go, I don't even believe in this. I don't believe in, in praying. I don't believe in God. And they said, you're not going to leave until you pray. So I, I got down on one knee. And I remember that I looked around and you know what? It was like an altar call. Everybody had their heads bowed and their eyes closed. <laughs> and they all had their arms around each other like a big circle. I was like, this is like the weirdest party. Right? <clears throat> a little while ago, I was smoking a big Cheech and Chong joint and we were li listening to oldies and now they, got, they had their heads bowed and I need somebody to come to the piano or something. You know? And then I remember that I just... Looked at him, and then I, I put my ear next to his, and I touched his pulse, and I said, he's already dead. I said, he already died. They said, so what? Just say a prayer. I go, what, what use is it? And they said, just say a prayer. I remember I put my hands on his head like my dad used to, and I said, I said, hey, God, if you're for reals, why don't you let my homeboy live? And that's all I said. Then I remembered something my dad used to say. I said, in the name of Jesus. After I said in the name of Jesus, I got up and I pushed this girl and I ran out. I ran out. I went, ran down the neighborhood. I went to my house. The next day, that night, I was like, man, we're going to have to have a car wash. We're going to have to have a funeral. And I went walking through the neighborhood and these girls ran up to me. They said, where did you go? I go, I went home last night. I go, when? Is a funeral, did they tell his parents, did they tell his mom? And then they said, no, man. After that, you said that prayer, the homeboy, he just got up. He just got up. He was white. And everybody started crying on him. And they were looking for you. And I says, I don't believe it. I go, I don't believe that's true. And they go, I don't know what you did, but God's real. This, my homegirl's telling me, God's real. And they go, she goes, if you don't believe that God's real, go to his house. I, w I went to his house, and there he was on the porch. And to my amazement, he was right there, you know, smoking a cigarette. And he said, I heard what you did for me last night. He said, thanks a lot, but can you lend me $20? You know, right away, he wanted another fix. I turned around, and I walked away, and God spoke to me. He says, I'm for real. You don't think I'm real, but I'm for real. 
And tonight, today, some of you came in here, you might not think the God that we serve is real, but God is real. And then something else hit me. If God is real, then everything in this Bible's real. I started thinking, I go, wait a minute, if everything in this Bible's real, then that story of that fish, that's real. I go, wait a minute, that story can't be real. And then, because the way that they said it in, in Sunday school, you know, it didn't make no sense. I mean, just a fish and then got spit out on the beach and then, you know, what is Gilligan's Island? You know, I, you know, I was like, then, when, then what happened not too long after that, I found myself in the ranch, you know, and God got a hold of me and God touched me and I got saved. And then I started reading it and it breaks it down a little bit better. And right here in this story that we're, that we're going to get into this morning is here is Jonah in the belly of the great fish. I don't know if it was a whale or, or the Bible says a great fish. And he was there and he was saying a prayer. Amen. How many have ever said one of those prayers? Amen. Some of us, you might have came in this morning and you're standing in the need of prayer. You might have came in this morning a little down. You might have came in this morning a little a burden. You might have came in this morning with a heavy burden. But I'm going to let you know that the God that I serve and the God that we serve here this morning, he's going to lift that burden from your life. He's going to do something powerful in your life. You came here for a reason. The reason why you're here in Victory Outreach is because God wants to do something beautiful. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm beautiful. Guys are having a hard time. Like, I'm not beautiful. The Bible says that Jonah says this in the prayer. He says, I'm in this, I'm in this belly of this well or this fish. And it says that the story goes on that what happened is he's on this boat. You guys know the story. And it got kind of crazy and the winds came and, the, and all this. And then what they did is the sailors, they hurled him into the ocean. You know, this, if you read this story, this could be a great movie. You know, and they just throw this guy overboard in the middle of a storm. How many of you ever seen the, the storm, that big, the greatest storm or whatever? It, it was bad. And the Bible says that they hurled him. They didn't just say walk the plank or jump off. They threw him. They wanted to get rid of the bad luck, and they threw him. And the Bible says that he went into the depths of the ocean. The Bible says that he went to the bottom of the mountains, to, to the bottom of the, the land, the bottom of the sea. And the Bible says that his head was wrapped with seaweed. You know, I used to think that it was a nice place in there. And, you know, a little candle. Where he's going to get the candle? You know, I, I just picture, you know, when you're in Sunday school, they make it look like he just ended up there, you know, he's like on the... In Disneyland, you're going through a little water thing. But you know what? It's, it's like you're in the belly of a fish. It's like in the belly of an animal. And there's all this fish smell. And there's seaweed. There's no light. It's dark. It is dark there. And you know what? The Bible says that his head was wrapped with seaweed. You know, there's some people that came here this morning, your head is wrapped with seaweed. Some of us got our head so wrapped up with all kinds of problems, all kinds of uh, uh, circumstances, all kinds of things that we came in this morning, and your head is spinning. Your head is spinning. There's situations in your life. We're caught up with the affairs of this life. Sometimes the affairs of this life, sometimes even just the finances. How many faced some financial difficulties this morning? Amen. Sometimes they could weigh us down. They could weigh us down. Sometimes it's relationships. Sometimes it's somebody in our family. Sometimes it's our kids. Sometimes it's our wife. Sometimes it's our mom. Sometimes it's our uncle. Sometimes it's the people that you live with. They weigh us down. You know, they told me, listen, if you don't want to have a lot of stress, don't work with people. 
because people talk back. You know, if you go work for machines, machines, you know, you can shut them off and turn them on. But people, they're going to wear you out. They will wear you out. And you know what? Sometimes our head is wrapped with all kinds of things. And the Bible says that, that, that God, what he did is he prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. God prepared a, a, like a, a, a search and rescue team for him. You know, when he got thrown into the ocean, then God prepared a fish and came and swallowed him. A couple of weeks ago, on, on the news, there was this thing that came out. Or there was this little boy, and he was like up in a balloon. How many saw that? I was like, oh, wow. Look at that. There's a little boy in that balloon. And, you know, how many watched it for a while? I was watching. I was like, man, he's way up there. I go, wow, we got a church around there, you know, in, up, in, up in the Denver area. And you know what? He was a couple hundred feet up in the air. And then the news and the helicopters were following this balloon. And I was like, man, if I was six years old, what would I be going through? I'll be like holding on to dear life, you know. And then what happens is, is the balloon lands, and then you guys know what happened. There's nobody in there. And then they feared the, the worst. They said maybe he fell out. Maybe he fell out. So what did they do? They sent search and rescue teams to go look for him. Because they only got footage till after they got the call. But what happened before? And so they started to search and they started to look everywhere and they sent all these teams out. You know that sometimes God has to send a search and rescue team for you. Sometimes we get so lost, we get so gone, we could be here in church, but our mind is somewhere else, and God has to send the Holy Spirit. Sometimes God has to send a search and rescue team to search and to rescue us and to save us. Save us sometimes, save us from ourselves. Sometimes our greatest enemy is ourselves. You know, David in the Bible, one of his greatest enemies, it wasn't Goliath. It wasn't the other army. Sometimes it was himself. You know, some of you, you might have failed. How many have ever failed before? You might have failed once. Maybe you might have even failed twice. But you know what? I'm going to let you know something this morning. You're not a failure. You're not a failure. Maybe, maybe things let you down. Maybe things happen wrong. Maybe you feel like throwing in the towel. Maybe, maybe your marriage is not all the way that it should be. Maybe things aren't working. It doesn't look good. But you're not a failure. I want to let you know that God raises up winners and God raises up champions and God doesn't raise up losers and God didn't die on the cross for a loser. God died on the cross for you and for me. Don't ever underestimate the love of God. You, you know, sometimes we think that we fail God so much, he doesn't even want to talk to us. But you have to understand how powerful the love of God is. And, you know, when I came in this morning, I felt the love of God here. I felt the spirit of God here. I go, look, at they're, they're going through some construction here. They're building. But I felt a good spirit here. How many feel a good spirit when you come to Victory Outreach Hayward? Amen. God has not given up on us. God has been faithful when we have it. Even when we tell God, God, I don't want to hear you, he's still faithful. Even when we push him away, he's still there. He's still there. God, the Bible says in, in verse 6, he says, he brought my life from a pit. How many has God brought your life from a pit? Have you ever found yourself in a dark place? And there's no friends. There's nobody that you can call on. And, and you're all by yourself. And you're isolated. And even 
you come to church and you still feel isolated and people are even saying things. And you feel hurt. And you feel in a dark place. And you feel like you're in a pit. But you know what? God wants to bring you out of the pit this morning. If you find yourself in the pit, he's going to raise you up from that pit. God wants to do something different. God wants to do something new. God wants to do something improved. It doesn't matter what we think. Sometimes a lot of stuff that we have is what we think. But the Bible says that his ways are not our ways. And the Bible says that his thoughts are not our thoughts. You know, we might expect God to move in a certain way. Have you ever expected, oh, well, this is the way God's going to do it. He's always done it this way. And then he throws you for a curve. You go, oh, wow. I didn't expect it to happen like this. God, the God that we serve is different than the way that we think. Sometimes we try to put God in the box and try to figure him out. But I'm going to tell you something. The God that we serve is miraculous. The God that we serve is full of wonder. And he's full of awe and amazement. The Bible says that Jonah, he got his breath back. The Bible says, because listen, he went in the ocean. A fish picks him up. You know there's water inside that fish. But the Bible says he got his breath back. He got his breath back. He was overwhelmed. He was overwhelmed with everything that was happening, but he got his breath back to say a prayer. Amen. He had enough breath to say a prayer. You know, in the pit, the Bible says in verse 7, I remembered the Lord, he said. Sometimes when we're out there and we're in a pit and we're all confused with all the circumstances and everything in life, you know what we do? We forget about God. We call everybody else up. We call our leader up. We look in books. We look at Oprah. We look at Dr. Phil. We call Tia Cebolla. We call all these people. But you know what we don't call? We don't call God. Why is that? You look up your horoscope, and then you call, oh, I know this teacher when I was in high school. He's real smart. Let me see if he can help me. Oh, let me call my uncle. He's over here, and he's real smart. I'm going to talk to this professor. We need to go to God. We need to trust in the Lord. See, the thing is, is that sometimes we trust in the worldly ways and the philosophies of this world. And it's real easy to get caught up in it, it's re- especially where we work and the way people think and the way that they, 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 they unravel their problems, then we start doing that too. But the Bible says, don't be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world. But the Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It all happens in the mind. It happens in your mental. Tell the person next to you, it's in your mind. The world. The world wants to creep into your mind. But the Bible says that when we have a problem, especially when it's an area of our heart, when it's an area of our heart, have you ever had your heart broken? Have you ever had your heart messed with? Has somebody got a piece of your heart and just tore a piece out? You know what we need to go when it comes to the issue of a heart? It's not to the doctor. We need to go to the creator of the heart. We need to go to the one that made your heart. The Bible says that our heart is deceitful. And the Bible says that our heart is, is wicked. But we should go to the one that made our heart and not to go to worthless idols, not to go to money, not to rely on the stocks, not to rely on the insurance, not to rely on the HMO, not to rely on the lottery, not to rely on these things, but to rely on God. Our trust is in the Lord. Things will let you down. Oh, you bought so many lottery tickets, oh, you're bound to hit one. That will let you down. That book that you got at Barnes & Noble, that's going to let you down. Your sports team will let you down. 
The Dodgers lost. Oh, they let me down. But I'm still a winner in Christ. I still, I'm, I'm still a winner in Christ. But the Bible says, don't trust in these idols. Forsake not his mercy. The Bible says that his mercies are new every morning. They're fresh and anew every morning. His mercies have a new meaning every morning. He will not let you down. You might have wanted to give up on life. You might have wanted to throw in the towel. But the Bible says that his mercy, his mercy is new every morning. You know, one time I played a game. It was a dangerous game. I hadn't been saved that many years. And I was living in this place in Southern California. It was it was a part of the rehab. I was like in reentry. And we used to have this place called the Hacienda. It was in Covina. And I remember that I played a game. It was a dangerous game. I remember when I was in church, somebody told me this. They said, nobody cares. You think people care at church? Nobody really cares. And so then, I, you know, I left church and I heard these people talking. And this one guy goes, nobody cares at this church. And then after he said that, I started thinking about it. I go, I wonder if people really do care. And so then I played a game. I said, you know what? I'm not going to go to church until somebody calls me. I'm going to see if somebody cares. Okay? One week went by and nobody called me. And I was in, I was in this reentry. Re and I even asked them when they came home from church. I go, hey, did anybody ask for me? Nuh-uh. Anybody? Any, nobody? Nothing? You, Pastor? Nuh-uh, nobody asked for you, bro. I was sorry. Are you sure? Nuh-uh. I don't even think they knew that you were gone, to tell you the truth. Well, this one guy told me. I go, oh, really? Then that thing started hitting me. Nobody cares. They don't even know you're there or not. Then I go, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to call nobody. Two weeks went by. First it was like days. Let's see if somebody calls. Maybe they'll call me on Monday because I didn't go to church on Sunday. Let's see. Then one day went by. Two, then, then it turned into two weeks. And the more days that went by, the more depressed I got. The more depressed I got, I said, you know what? I don't really have any friends. I started to say to myself. And this game, it got dangerous. This game got dangerous. And they would say, are you going to go to church tonight? And say, oh, I'm going to stay back. I'm going to watch the place. And I would make up excuses why not to go with the, with the guys from the reentry. And I stood there. And I remember that I was waiting for somebody to call me. And nobody called me. One week went by, two weeks went by, three weeks went by. By the third week, I was so depressed. I said, you know what, nobody cares. And then the devil started to lie to me. How many of you ever had a conversation with the enemy? The enemy started to tell me this. It wouldn't even matter if you didn't even exist. It wouldn't even matter if you didn't even exist. Nobody, I don't even think anybody would go to your funeral. You know, your family doesn't come to Victory Outreach. My family, they lived up in Fresno. My dad lived somewhere else. Everything, when I got saved, let me tell you, when I got saved, my family broke up. My dad was a pastor, and they broke up. And things got, you know, I thought things were going to be better because I got saved and stuff, but it got messed up. And there I started, the enemy started to lie to me and said, why don't you just end it? Why don't you just end, end this ticket? Why don't you just end yourself? You know, just forget about it. Nobody cares. Nobody really cares. And I remember that I got so depressed. And, and you know what? The enemy started to lie to me that I even planned it. I said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to this bridge, and I'm jumping off that bridge. It's as easy as that. I, can, I, could, I could do it real easy. But then I remember that some, some guy told me, 
There was this guy, he used to be a boxer in San Quentin. He told me this. He said, listen, the weakest guy that I ever knew was somebody that took their life when there were so many guys that wanted to live. So many guys wanted to live, and if somebody in prison was to end their life, that's a weak man. And I started to depress myself, and I started saying, you know what, I'm a weak man then. I don't want to live. I have no friends. I don't have a reason to live. I started to say. And so I remember that one morning I planned it. And I started to walk down that street, and I was going to go to that bridge. But before I went to that bridge, I remember I said, you know what? There's, one, there's this couple that I just want to say bye. But I wasn't going to say what I was going to do. I just wanted to say hi and bye. I just wanted to see them. And I remember that I went to Pastor Sonny and Sister Julie's house. And I walked in, and Pastor Sonny was playing, you know, Christian music real loud, you know, Jimmy Swaggart or something. And I go, man, the music's loud in here. And Sister Julie goes, lower that music. It's loud in here, Sonny. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. And then all of a sudden, Sister Julie goes, hey, Danny, come on in. Are you hungry? You want some breakfast? I'll make you breakfast. I go, no, I just came by. You know, I'm on my way someplace. I just wanted to say hi. Oh, well, Sonny's over there. So I said hi. Hey, Danny, what are you going to do today? Hey, let's go get some pizza. Let's do some. I go, no, I, I got something I have to take care of. He was really in a good spirit. Then I go, I just came by to say hi, I'm on my way someplace. He goes, okay, and he gave me a hug. And then I, I, I gave Julie a hug, and I was going for the door. And I was just about to go to the door. I go, well, this is it. I, at least I told him bye. I was grateful for them being nice to me. I went to the door, and as I opened the door, Julie came out of nowhere. And she just slammed the door. And she says, where are you going? I go, I'm just going over here. I got to take care of something. God spoke to me. He told me not to let you out of my sight. He says, you're, she said, you're not going nowhere. She says, I see a cloud over you right now, and you're not going nowhere. When she said, you're not going nowhere, you know what happened? I just broke. I broke, and I began to cry, and I began to say what I was going to do, and she says, that's a lie from the pit of hell. That's a lie from the enemy. You know what? God cares for you. Maybe people haven't called you, but God is calling on you. God's got a plan for your life. And she says, you're not going nowhere. You're going with me today. You're going to spend the day with me today. You know what she did? She was like working on some film, uh, some uh, TV thing that we used to have. It was called Treasures Out of Darkness. And she took, she goes, you're going with me to Channel 40. And she took me to Channel 40 and she took me up to a prayer room. And she says, you're going to pray in here. And you're not going to get up from your knees. Until, until, uh, until God gets a hold of you and God's going to touch you and God's going to speak to you. And she goes, I'm going to go do what I got to do and I'm going to pick you up later. And I remember that me and God, we had a festival there and God poured out his love right there. I want to tell you something. If the enemy lies to you and you find yourself in a pit, you know what? There is a God who cares. Maybe somebody doesn't call you. Maybe it's not their fault. Maybe the circumstances, but God will take you out of the pit because God is a God that cares and he does exist. He exists. I was grateful. I was grateful. God never goes broke. He never goes broke with love. He never grows broke. God broke me. God broke me. How many like it when God breaks you? You're just like crying. Some of you ladies, you don't even care. There's makeup going down your neck. It looks like a Halloween festival. Guys, you need a couple tissues. Sometimes God, he makes us into crybabies. 
You know, you could have been all hardcore and stuff, but God will turn you into a big crybaby. But I thank God that she was sensitive to the Holy Spirit. God wants to raise up leaders that are sensitive. Sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. We need people that are sensitive to the voice of God. Sensi- you know, I want to I th- tell you something. I thank God for your pastor. I want to thank God for Sister Josie. You know what? You have a woman that is full of wisdom. She's very wise. And sometimes she might seem like she's harsh on you because sometimes she comes like a mom. And she'll even tell you, no, you're not. You know, but she's wise. She knows what, she knows, uh, she's got a lot of experience and she knows what she's doing. And, you know, tonight is a night to appreciate her. Come out tonight, you know. And, you know, I, I just thank God for your pastors. I thank God for Pastor Steve. The first time I met Pastor Steve, I was in my neighborhood before that OD incident happened. I was in my high school, and my homeboys used to kick it in front of the high school. He came early. He knew that in order to speak to my neighborhood, you have to come around 7.30, 8 o'clock before school. And he came with a couple guys. I go, oh, here comes these guys with that van. They get off, and there we were all smoking cigarettes. And he'd come up to us, and he'd be like, you know, Jesus Christ could change your life. I go, man, this guy comes like every day. Where does he come from? I don't know. He's in some home over there, you know. And he would come and give us flyers. But I remember he pointed me out one time in front of my homeboys. He says, I don't know um, what you're doing here, but God has his hand upon your life. And you shouldn't be here. And God has great plans for you. And then I used to say, like, well, you know, and then all my homeboys would say, what did he tell you? What was all that? What's all that? I go, I don't know. He's, he's talking crazy. I don't know. He drank too much coffee. I don't know. But I remember, I, I still remember him going to the streets, doing all that. And he had a heart for the streets. He had a heart for the neighborhood. And you know what? I thank God that your pastor, known for a long time. And you know what? I'm going to tell you something. The people that you meet in Christianity, they're friends not just for a season. They're friends for life. This is for eternity. The people that you sit next to. You're going to see them up in heaven. You say, but I don't like the people I sit next to. Well, you might as well get used to it. You're going to see them up in heaven. You're going to see them in heaven. The Bible says in verse 9, it says that Jonah said this. He said, I will pay back what I have vowed. In other words, I'm going to make good the vow that I made. There are some of you here today, you made a vow to God. You made a promise to God. God has his hand upon you. God has some plans for you. And you made a vow to God and you say, I'm going to do what you call me to do, but you haven't been there. Some of us have made a vow to God. And you know what? The Bible says that Jonah said, I'm going to make my vow good. This morning, God is looking for a heart that will say this. Ask of me, God. Ask of me and I will give it. Ask of me what you will. Tell me what you want from me. Go in the corridors of my heart. Go down the hallway of my life and tell me what room needs to be cleaned. Take what you want, even if it's in a private area, even if it's in a secret place. Take what you want. Ask of me, God, and I will give it to you. Ask of me, and I will give what I promised you. I promised you everything in my life, but there's some things that I hold back. Not too long ago, I had a friend. He went to a Friday night prayer meeting. He went to this prayer meeting. Everything was cool. Him and his wife. And then in the middle of the prayer meeting, his wife says, I'll be back. I'm going to go to the restroom. After the service was over, he goes, I can't find my wife. 
He goes, hey, have you guys seen my wife? Have you seen her? Have you seen her? No, no, maybe she was over there in the fellowship hall or maybe with the kids or something. He goes to the car and on the steering wheel there's a letter. And she says this. It's not meant to be. It's not going to happen, me and you. I don't really like going to church that much. I don't really like doing this. You, I go to church because you tell me to. But I don't really like this. I want to be with my girls. I want to go to the club every now and then. To be honest with you, I have somebody else in my life. And she left him with no number, no nothing. And this guy was hurt. And he was devastated. And he was like, I can't believe that this is happening. I can't believe that this girl, that my wife did this to me out of nowhere. Imagine if that happened to you. Out of nowhere. I know another guy, he came home. There was one, a letter right there on his bed. Just like that. It was, it's devastating. It, it's, it just breaks your heart. And, and then he came up to me. He goes, what do I do? What do I do? I don't know what to do. I don't know who to talk to. I can't even get a hold of her. I don't even know how to get a hold of her. And then, out of nowhere, in his dark moment, God started to bring him friends. It's amazing when God brings us friends. You know, we're family here. When someone hurts, we need to take care of one another. The person next to you, they can't make it without you. We only think that we can come here and just receive from the pastors and stuff. We need friends. We need friends. In dark moments of my life, friends have come through. You could count your friends on one hand. Because the other ones, they say, whoa, he's all messed up. I don't want to be a part of that. Then the friends always come through. God always sends a friend. How many thank God for your friends? How many thank God for your friends? But what I'm saying, the reason why I tell you this story is because this woman had a secret part of her life. Some of us have secrets that nobody knows about. See, in the day, we lift up our hands. But what do we do in the dark? There's some of us, we look good right now. But some of us have another name when we're on the Internet. Some of us have an account that nobody knows about. Oh, honey, I'm working on the computer. Yeah, you're working on the computer. It's somebody else. Some of us have secrets. And you know what God is saying? Make good the vow that you told me. Get, get rid of those areas. Let me take those areas from you. Let's do this right. Tell the person next to you, let's do this right. Some of us know how to dance in the dark and come in the light. You know, you know what I notice? We know how to behave. We know how to behave. I had a preacher say this. Like when you're a little kid, behave or I'm going to spank you. Don't do, I'm going to whip you. So we know how to behave when our parents are around. But when no one's around, when things get dark, you'd be surprised of the things that people have in their hidden agendas. You'd be surprised how many accounts people have on Facebook. You'd be surprised how many people they have on their accounts and stuff, and they have a secret life. It's the other side. It's the wild side of their, you know, some people have a wild side. You know, there's like a streak. They got a wild streak. You know, they're, they're serving God and everything, but they don't let God go to the wild side. And this morning, I'm telling you, make, 
make good the vow that you told to God and tell him, ask of me what you will. Take the wild side away from me. Go on the dark corridors of my life. Take that private side of me. Take the part that nobody knows, not even my wife knows, not even my husband knows, not even people around me, not even my best friend. God, you take those areas, you take it, and you clean it up. And I tell you what, God, I'm not going to tell you to go in that room of my heart and, and, and go pick it up and take what you want. This is what I'm going to do, God. I don't want you to be the worker. I'm going to go and I'm going to get the stuff and I'm going to give it to you. Sometimes we want God to do all the work. God, I tell you what, I got a hidden secret up in the attic. If you want to go get it. No, tell God, you know, God, hold on. I'm going to go get it. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you because I'm grateful for what you have done in my life. I'm grateful because of the God that I serve. I'm grateful because I owe it to you. I, this vow that I made to you, I'm going to make it good. God is looking for people that will say, I will make it good. I will make it good. And the Bible says that after he finished praying and he began to give thanks, that the fish threw him out on the beach. From the belly to the beach. Imagine if you were inside a cow's stomach. <laughs> Imagine if you were in a, in a belly and it smelled like rotten fish. And now you're on a beach. Here he is on dry land. And if you read the next chapter... God did a work in his life. The Bible says that after he went through three nights and three days of prayer and he got a hold of God and God stripped him from the things that he needed to be stripped of, that he did something beautiful in his life. Not only that, he gave him a fresh message. The Bible says that he went to this great city, Nineveh. This city was so big that it took three days just to walk across it. That's how big this city was. And the Bible says that he began to preach. And he began to preach. And the Bible says in verse 5 of chapter 3, it says that they all believed. That's a revival. A great, imagine if every time you preach, people believed it and they all got saved. The Bible says from the greatest to the least. And as a matter of fact, they believed it so much that they even fasted. They even fasted. You know what that tells me? That Jonah had an anointing. After being in the pit, after being in the dark, after going through it, after being overwhelmed with all of life's problems, after being bogged down, after being so burdened, and God brought him through the other side of the storm. I want to let you know, God wants to bring you to the other side of the storm. God wants to break that wall. God, just, just if you hold on just a little bit more, God's got some better days for you. The better days are yet to come. God is going to do something great that he started to do in your life. And he's going to finish it. He's going to finish it. He's going to do a new thing. I want you to stand to your feet here this morning. It started out with repentance. There was a guy when I was in the home. And I he used to pray every night. I go, you always go by yourself to go pray. I go, where do you go pray? What do you do before you go to bed? Why do you go by yourself? He says, you know what I do? I go and I repent. I go, I don't think you sinned today. We're all together. We've been in Bible studies. We're in the home. He says, I repent every night. You know what else I do? I get saved every night. I say, God, come into my heart. I want to be clean. I want to be clean. The beginning of every great revival started with repentance. 
You know, at the mother church, you know what they did this last week? Pastor Sonny Jr. called a week of fasting. And they all met at his house, all the leaders. And every, every morning at 5.30, God began to touch leaders and break them. Because we said this, we don't want it to be the same. We want revival. We want revival. But we knew one thing, in order to have revival, we need to repent. Ask of me, God, what you will, and I'll give it to you. Even though I don't want to let go, I'm going to give it to you. And if that's you this morning, maybe you got invited, somebody invited you to come here. Somebody told you, come with me to church. You know, you're not saved. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, you know, I'm not saved. I just came to check this out, but I need to be saved. You probably asked yourself, why was I created on this earth? Why did God make me? God's got a plan for your life. Up to now, you've just been going in circles. You've just been barely existing. But God wants you to live now. All you need to do is give your life to Christ. If you're not saved, then you should get saved this morning. And I'm not telling you to get saved because I like to see a bunch of people get saved. I'm telling you to get saved because you must. It's a thing that you must do. Maybe you're here this morning and you're running from God. You're running from God. Stop running. Stop running. Maybe you're here this morning, you're overwhelmed. You're just burdened with life. The pressure of this life has got you down. And, and, and you know what? God wants to lift that burden from you this morning. Maybe you find yourself in a pit. God wants to reach down in that pit and bring you out. Maybe you're here this morning and the enemy has lied to you. God is saying, where are you going? You're not going nowhere. Stop. I want to show you my love. Maybe you're here and darkness is pulling you. I want you to come in closer to the light. Maybe you're here and you're saying, ask of me, God, and I will give it. Maybe you're a leader and God wants to make you more sensitive. I want to pray for you. From all over the place, I'm going to open up these altars. And if God spoke to you, I want you to come. This is between you and God. It's not has nothing to do with me. It has to do with between you and God. God brought me here for a reason. And that was what God told me to say, and I said it. Ask of me. Ask whatever area in my life. Whatever area you want, God, I will give it to you. No more hidden agendas. I'm not hiding nothing. It doesn't matter if you're a leader. It doesn't matter if you've been here for a while. Oh, come and lift up your hands. Oh, the love of God is here this morning. The mercies of God are here this morning.